Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. We're going to look at the fact that uh, our God uh, allows us to be servants. He, he's at work, he lays his life down, and so we practice service. And uh, as we have every single week, we are going to introduce you to somebody today who's going to talk about their uh, pursuit of that value and their implementation of that value. And so I'm going to have Jackie Babcock come up. Why don't you welcome her up here? Jackie, uh, for those of you who come and you enjoy the bagels and that front table, that's all Jackie. Uh, She does that and gets that all situated for us. And so we are very, very, very thankful for her. Can I get an amen, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah. So she was the perfect one to do it. And uh, I'm going to pray for her and I'm going to pray for our time together. So why don't you stand with me? I'll pray over her and over this time. And then you can sit down and we'll hear from her. All right. Are you good? All right. Good deal. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your grace to us. I thank you for the opportunity that we have today from here from, to hear from you, to hear from your people, to be together, to sing praises to your name and open your word together. I just pray, God, that you would ordain this time, that you would lead this time, that you would challenge us and grow us, convict us and encourage us, God, and that most of all, you'd be glorified. Thank you for Jackie. Thank you for her service to our community and to our family. I just pray, God, that you'll bless her and that you'll lead her as she uh, speaks to us here today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Serving is nothing more than loving on God and loving on others. God has called each one of us to serve and to be a part of his bigger plan. He has chosen us to come alongside him, and I'm going to share with you what God has done through me and in me by serving and also highlight on some of the reasons serving is so important. First, let me tell you a little of my story. Before I started serving at DRC, I didn't really feel like I had much of an impact on life, at least not eternally. Although I was constantly busy, I never felt very fulfilled. I just felt kind of empty. I focused mostly on my daughter and myself and the problems we each had. To be blatantly honest, I was pretty self-centered in general. Uh, Also, I had issues with pride, although I didn't know it at the time. I was kind of judgmental, mostly in thought, but nevertheless a true indicator of my heart. And you know what standards I use to judge others? My own. Sometimes I would even justify my standards to myself by using the Word of God to support it, often out of context. But was I genuinely caring about the other person or just trying to make them conform to my ways or the right ways? God says in Philippians 2, 3 through 4, Do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Not only was I being self-centered, but I had never even took into account another's past and where they were coming from or where they may be, what they might be going through right now. Also, I never took into account what God may be doing in their heart at this time. Additionally, I would go to church and leave and never really get involved, never really serve, and never really getting to know anyone much either. However, I did know that God wanted me to serve, as he does with all of us. And yes, I wanted to obey him and please him, but I also know that a huge incentive for me to serve was based on my overwhelming thankfulness for all that he has given me, including my creation, my daughter, um, his love, and everything he's done for me on the cross. Obviously, this list could go on and on because everything we have is from Jesus. 
Although God, oh, through through obedience, excuse me, through obedience and, and thanksgiving, I began to serve. Although God has been working in my life since day one, once I began devoting myself to serving the Lord, I felt like God could really use me for his purposes. And now I feel like I have a purpose in this big plan of his. He has fulfilled me, and this brings me an enormous amount of joy. Also, through serving, I began loving on others more and more. Although I know God is still working on my heart, I do feel like he is continuously increasing my capacity to love and increasing my ability to love others with the same heart that God loves others. More and more, God is allowing me to see others through his eyes. Also, as I started focusing on others more and more, I started focusing on me less and less. God started working in my heart to humble me and to free me from judging others and to free others from my judgments. By God's grace, I started to pay attention to my thoughts, and I realized that I actually did judge others, and I judged them by my own selfish standards. However, through serving, I began loving and caring for others all the more, and seeing all the beauty God has created in them. And God has softened the harshness in my heart, excuse me, and has given me more understanding, grace, and unconditional love for others. And he's also working to free me from my judgmental heart. God has also reminded me that in his love, he sent his son to die for us because he knew that none of us could ever fulfill his righteousness of stand, His standards of righteousness. Another thing I'd like to mention is that I feel like God is building relationships in my life. Before, I hardly knew any of you, but now I know most of you, some more than others. Serving is a great way to meet others and to build friendships. Perhaps my heart was not that into serving at first, but God has changed that. Now it's my heart's desire to do the will of God and to do it with joy. Now I absolutely love serving, and I get so much joy out of it. And God is continuously increasing my desire to serve more and more. To me, serving has become a way of life. Also, I'd just like to touch on some specific reasons why serving is so important. First, because, ser- because we serve because God wants us to love him, which is his first and greatest commandment. And we do this through obedience. God says that if we love him, that if we love him, we will obey his words and keep his commandments. That's in John 14, 15, and 23. By the way, serving is a profound way to express our thankfulness and to honor and glorify God. Secondly, we serve because God wants us to love others, which is our second greatest commandment. And it's through this love that others see Jesus. By us loving on them with the heart of Jesus, they see his kindness, his encouragement, his support, his mercy, and his unconditional love, just to name a few. Third, we serve because God wants us to make disciples, which is the Great Commission. We make disciples by promoting spiritual growth of others. Churches are a great source for doing just this, and it takes the hands of many people to make a church happen. Fourth, we serve because God wants to sanctify us. He wants to work in us, making us more and more like Jesus. Excuse me, I just lost my place. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So that he can work through us for his good pleasures and his good purposes. But we have to submit to God and obey his word, and that includes serving. 
Fifth, we serve because God wants all people to be saved. God has chosen each one of us to serve so that he can work through us to bring others to himself so that they may be saved and redeemed through Christ Jesus. And know that when we serve, we are not serving alone. Just as we come alongside him to serve, he comes, comes alongside us also. And we serve in the power and the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Miss Jackie. Um, so here's here's what I want to do, just to kind of piggyback what Jackie was saying there. I, I want to talk about the the upside down nature of service. Um, that most of us get service backward, and, and hopefully, as we think through this and talk through this, it'll start to kind of right itself. So let, let's take a step back here. Let's talk about this idea of of influence. Influence. Um, influence happens almost entirely in the context of relationship and service. Let me give you an example. Uh, my, my daughter had eye surgery this past week on Wednesday, and Latsia sent me text and Facebook, and she's waving. Um, <laughs> what? I heard my name. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I had one guy in particular, uh, Pastor Dave Bechtold, who's the family pastor over at City Church. He doesn't go to church here. Um, he, he's just a good friend of mine. And he starts texting me, how's Emma doing, getting all these updates, and we're going into the doctor and talking to the doctor, and I take Emma into the surgery room, and they do the anesthetic thing, which is always kind of a, a freak out, and I come back out and answer and text, and I, finally I, I get a cup of coffee, and I sit down and just kind of wait. <clears throat> and as I'm, I'm reading through some terrible magazine, I feel this shadow kind of come over me, and I look up, and Dave is standing in front of me. And I said, man, what are you doing here? And he goes, hey, who comes and visits us in the hospital? Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, that meant the world to Ash and I. Uh, the, in the context of relationship, uh, he was willing to take time out of his day to serve us. And he just, he, he didn't come, he didn't preach a message, he didn't you know, lay hands on us, he didn't, pro- he, didn't he just sat with us and the time went quicker, and uh, by the time it was time for M to be out of surgery, it meant a tremendous amount that in the context of relationship, he served us. And, and I'll be honest with you, uh, Dave already had influence in my life, but based on this past Wednesday, he probably has more, right? He does. He probably has more. He, he gained a lot of relational collateral with me. Uh, by being willing to serve me. And that's an important principle for us. It's an important principle for us to understand that one of the ways that we gain relational collateral and influence is just to serve people. Now here's the thing that's interesting about this. When most of us think about influence, we think about affluence. We get the two confused. We think about influence meaning the person with the best title, with the biggest big account, bank account, with the most power, that person has the most influence. And so some of us say, in order to get influence, I'm going to get more, more of whatever. And as I get more, I'll get influence and then I can do what I want. That's the first crowd. The second crowd I've noticed is kind of the younger crowd, the millennials, right, is what sociologists call them. And millennials say, you know what? I'm not doing what the man tells me to do. 
Alright, can I get an amen? Some of you are literally shaking your head. Well, yes, when I said I'm not going to do what the man tells me to do. Yeah, Madison is based on this premise. And, and it's, it's the idea, it's the idea that I, I'm not going to be defined by somebody else's standard. I'm going to make my own standards. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to achieve success on my own terms, uh, on my own definition. I'm going to be my own man or my own woman, and my restaurant isn't going to match in any way, shape, or form, right? Like all of the east side restaurants. You walk in like, did some, was someone colorblind when they did this? Uh, and so those are really two kinds of camps. We'll either play the game, and he who wins has the most influence, or we say, I'm not going to play the game. I'm going to play the game based on my own rules and based on my own Terms And so when we think about service and influence in this context, neither of those really lend us to giving ourselves to service. And so I want to introduce you to the way that Jesus talked about it in three ways. One is I just want to talk to you about influence in the kingdom. I want to talk to you about the economy of the kingdom. And I want to talk to you about the upside down nature of the kingdom. Those three things. In John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 and verse 14, it'll be up on the screen behind me. Listen to what it says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Look at verse 14. Who is this Word? And the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, this idea gets described as the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness. And it is this truth that God the Father sends God the Son, and that when God the Son, His name is Jesus, comes to this earth, He's 100% God, and He's 100% man. You say, how can that possibly be? That's why it's a mystery. The mystery of godliness. This truth that, as Eugene Peterson says, God took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. God becomes one of us. God meets us where we are. And C.S. Lewis says it this way, that the Son of God becomes a man to enable men to become sons of God. That God comes to us, becomes one of us, so that we can know Him, so that we can experience Him, so that we can receive who He is. In 1 John chapter 1, look at what it says about this. This is the Apostle John talking. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched, concerning the word of life, think about that in the context of influence and, and being known, this life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may to have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we write these things to you so that your joy may be complete. Again and again and again, the Bible talks about this idea of what is called the incarnation. That Jesus comes to us, He becomes one of us, He... Uh, enfleshes himself and is known, he is seen, he is heard, he is touched. Now what's interesting about this is C.S. Lewis trying to describe for us the motivation of why Jesus would do this says uh, that it's a lot like many of our relationships to our pets. Just hang with me here for a second, all right? Hang with me here for a second. Uh, Let me tell you a quick story. Uh, About eight years ago, my wife and I had had two miscarriages, and we were talking to the docs about you know what was going on and, and what was going wrong, 
And uh, we weren't entirely sure that God was going to bless us with a family. Now, luckily he was wrong because I've got three, right? So everything worked out and praise God for that. But this was in kind of an uncertain time for us. And, uh, and I was having a hard time kind of articulating how I was feeling and being able to meet my wife where she was. I didn't know if we were going to be able to have kids together. And so I said what any husband would say. Maybe we should buy a puppy. <laughs> Which now seems just completely insane, but at the time it made good sense. And, uh, and so I got on Craigslist and started looking and started looking for dogs that don't uh, you know, poop and shed and all those things. And I didn't find any of those, so <laughs> we went to this place in northwest Cincinnati, and it was a terrifying place, right? It just... Lots of animals running around, and uh, the house was all covered with shrubs and all gnarly, and it was pouring the rain. It should have been, I should have had an ominous feeling uh, during this. And so we get out, and the lady picks her head out and says, no, 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 I'll, I'll bring him out to you. And she comes walking out with two armfuls, right? And at the time, uh, I had a 1990 Toyota Celica in my college car, and we're sitting in these seats, and we roll the window down, and this lady puts two balls of wet fur in my wife's lap, right? <laughs> And I literally said, who do I make the check out to? Right? So one of them in particular, one's real blonde and is just kind of sitting there. And the other one jumps up into my wife's uh, uh, chest and is licking her and kissing her and all that kind of deal. And uh, that is, if you know the Duns, that's now Bailey, who is my arch enemy. And I despise him. But, uh, <laughs> but, but that's not the point. All right? So uh, during this time... <laughs> During this time, this dog is, is a real sentimental thing for us because we're not sure if God's going to provide us with, with, with kids and we desperately wanted kids. And so we bring this dog home and we're doing everything that we can to convey that we love this dog. And so we buy him a really nice bed, a nicer bed than we had at the time, I might add, right? And we buy him a nice fence and a nice collar and the best food that we can afford and we're loving on him and, and cuddling with him and all this kind of thing. Here's the thing that I never thought I never thought, I really want this dog to know how much I love him. And so, I really wish that I was a dog so I could tell him. Never crossed my mind. Not one time. I was glad that I was me and he was him and he could just have some nice food and a good bed. That's it. Okay? Here's how C.S. Lewis describes the incarnation. He says, many of us love our pets, but very few of us would become our pet to convey our love for him. And yet, that's exactly what Jesus does. Jesus says, how can I best communicate to people that I love them? How can I best communicate to people that I'm, that I'm present and that I'm near and that I want a relationship with them? And so what does he do? He becomes a man. He becomes a man. And what does First John chapter say? We saw him and we heard him and we touched him. He was a real human being. He, he, and, and, and what we see is that Jesus not only came to us, but in Philippians chapter 2, I does it say that he took on human flesh and that he humbled himself to the point of what? To the point of the cross. And so Jesus comes and makes a profound statement of love in the fact that he becomes one of us. And then he makes an eternal statement of love when he goes to the cross and says, this is how desperately I want a relationship with you. And so I want you to think about this. We said that some of us define influence on our own terms. You want a relationship with me? You've got to come to me. You've got to be like me. Right? Jesus comes to us on our terms, doesn't he? 
Jesus comes to us and serves us on our terms. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus comes to be like us, to talk like us, to experience what we experience. The Bible says He's tempted at all points like you and I are. Jesus knows what we're going through. Why? Why? Because of the incarnation. And so Jesus doesn't say, and this is what all religion says, I'm up here, come get me. All religion other than Christianity says that. I'm up in the clouds. I'm up on Olympus. We're doing our thing. You need to do your best to ascend. Jesus comes down to us. Influence in the kingdom as manifested by the king is that service is I'll come to you on your terms. I'll do what needs to be done to serve you, to influence you, to bless you, not on my terms, but on your terms. The second thing that I want you to see is in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, an interesting thing is happening. Jesus has just told the disciples that he is going to be executed, but that he's going to rise again. And here, you all can look at me. I'll read the screen in a second, all right? Here's what happens. <laughs> Jesus just says, listen guys, I, I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to be executed, I'm going to be murdered, and then I'll rise again. And here is the disciples' facial expression. The Bible says that they didn't understand. And so as they're walking along, they do what anyone would do right after Jesus had told you that he was going to be murdered. Uh, they start to argue who's the greatest among them. <laughs> so Jesus is like, hey, Chris and Tim, come over. Here's the deal, guys. I'm going to be murdered. We're like, okay, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. No, I'm better. And the Bible says that, that when they get to where they're going, Jesus says, what were you guys talking about? Can you imagine that, that gut feeling? Uh, the badgers, right? Oh, he knows everything. Shoot, right? <laughs> and so Jesus, not only being in the flesh, not only experiencing in, or offering influence by coming to us on our terms, uh, but Jesus lays out for us the economy of the kingdom in this verse. Look at Mark chapter nine and verse thirty-three. And when they came to Capernaum, he was. They were in the house, and he asked them, uh, "What were you discussing on the way?" But they kept silent for once. For on the way they had argued about uh, who was the greatest. And he sat down the twelve and he said to them, If anyone would be first, here's the economy, you want to win? You got to be last and the servant of all. If anyone would be first, if anyone would be first, you must be last and the servant of all. So you remember our, our kind of dichotomy over here that says you got to come to me on my terms. And Jesus says, I'll come to you on your terms. You know, this framework over here where we say that influence is determined by success, by winning, right? By affluence, by title, by status. Jesus says, here's the thing about success and status. In my kingdom, if you win here, you lose here. At the same time, if you finish last, if you're willing to serve others, if you're willing to humble yourself and be last, in my kingdom, you'll finish You'll finish first. You'll finish first. And so we have this framework of influence that keeps us from service because we want people to come on our terms and when we're uncomfortable with people, we won't come to them and serve them. Right? We, we like to be with people who are like us, think like us, look like us, uh, sound like us. The kingdom is the opposite. 
We understand the chasing the, the American dream and running the corporate ladder. And Jesus says, here's the thing about that, guys. Uh, that isn't how my kingdom works. The economy of my kingdom is that the last will be first and the first will be last. And so when we think about service, this idea of humbling myself to the point that I'm willing to go last, I'm willing to be unrecognized, I'm willing to not get an attaboy or an girl because I know that in doing so, I'm like my Savior. I'm like my Savior. And doesn't everything in our life tell us the opposite? Doesn't everything in our life say, if you don't speak up, you're going to get run over? If you don't defend yourself, you're going to get attacked? Doesn't everything in our life tell us something different? And that's what the disciples are working off of, right? Who's the greatest? I'm the greatest. No, I am. No, I am. And in the church, we tend to do that, don't we? And it keeps us from serving one another because we think, if I don't get served, I won't get served. And so I better speak up before I get passed over. Now, an interesting thing happens to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, and he makes a couple interesting phrases here. Look at 9 and verse 18. What then is my reward, uh, that in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as to not make full use of my right in the gospel? Now, I want you to think about that phrase. To not make full use of of my right in the gospel. Y'all are looking at the screen again. All right, I promise you, I'll read it. I told him to put it up there, okay? (laughs) Think about this phrase. My right in the gospel, the things that I am in the gospel, the things that I have in the gospel, my identity in the gospel, I'm not going to make full use of those. That's what Paul says. Go on. He says, for though I am free from all. Stop right there. Something that I want you to understand about the upside down nature of the gospel is that Jesus says, when you make me your master and serve me with everything that you are, I make you entirely free. Can you think of any other scenario in which a master says, the more you serve me, the more free you are? (laughs) Paul says, listen, here's the thing, because of who my Savior is, because of who my King is, because of who my Lord is, I am entirely indebted to Him. I am His slave, he says in other places. And he says, because I am the slave of Jesus, I am entirely free. You need to understand that today, that the gospel does not put us into bondage. The gospel makes us free. The gospel makes us free from all things. The more indebted you are to Jesus, the more subservient you are to Jesus, the more free you are, because Jesus, and only Jesus, makes us free. And so Paul says, here's the thing, I'm a a free man because of who my Savior is. And I have rights in the gospel, but I don't make full use of them, and I use my freedom... Though I am free from all, I have made myself a what? To how many? To all. I made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. And then he goes on describing this. Check this out. He says, To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside of the law, became as one outside of the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. Keep going. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. So Jesus says, I, I make you free, and in your freedom, you're free to serve. That's what Paul says here, right? In your freedom, you're free to serve. And so let's think about this a couple ways. I'm free to serve limitlessly. 
My freedom is comprehensive, therefore my service ought to be. There's no point in which a Christian should say, I think I'm done serving. I did enough. I met my religious quota. No, because of entire freedom, in, in, in terms of who God has made us, I am, I'm free to serve limitlessly. I'm free to serve whether it's convenient or inconvenient. I'm free to serve when it's convenient. If you understand who you are in Jesus, there is never a time when serving is inconvenient. I'm free to serve when it's uncomfortable for me to serve. It's funny, we were talking at West today that the two people who gave their testimony about service were terrified to do it, right? Uncomfortable to serve us by giving their testimony, and that's the reason that we ask them, because there are times when service is uncomfortable, and yet because of who I am in Jesus, I do it. Not because it's the rules, not because I feel good about myself, because of who my Savior is, I will go headlong into uncomfortability. And here's the thing that you need to understand about Jackie. Jackie, as nervous as she was, or Tasha, as nervous as she was, stand up in front of us, has to believe something about herself to do it. She has to believe that if I get up here and bomb in front of all y'all, it's still good because I know who I am in Jesus. Do you see the confidence? That that can provide, do you see the determination that can provide? That they can stand up here and they are immune, they are bomb-proof. Because they know who they are. Because they're entirely free. And so we can serve uncomfortably. And then here's the other one. Uh, I can serve when I'm uncomfortable with who I'm serving. This is the big one, isn't it? This is the big one. We, we, I'm too busy to serve. I'm too afraid to serve in that way. I'm too afraid to serve them. And yet, Paul says, think about this. Uh, To the Jew, I became as a Jew. To a pagan, I became as a pagan. To a religious dude, I became as a religious dude. To the weak, I became as weak. Do you think that Paul enjoyed becoming all of those things? Do you think that Paul was like, I love feeling weak? No, but because of who he was in Jesus, he was willing to serve and reach out to anyone. Here it is, on their terms. You do understand that Paul can't say, I'll serve a Jew as a Jewish man if he's requiring the Jew to act like a Gentile. And here's the thing that's beautiful about gospel service. It's that there's nobody that we are unable to serve regardless of how much we might disagree with them. Who is it that you would have a hard time serving? Man, Republicans. <laughs> and then I'll come to this side of the room and I'll go, man, Democrats. All right? People who make more money than me, people who make less money than me, people who look different than me, people who don't look different than me, people who are attracted to or not attracted. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But if we're completely honest, we wouldn't meet them on their terms. That's the reason why churches start to look the same, is because we aren't willing to reach people on their terms. We require them to be reached on our terms. And so you've got to look a certain way to come to DR. You've got to talk a certain way to come to DR. You've got to believe a certain way to come to DR. But that's not service in the Bible, is it? Jesus comes and he says, here's the thing, guys. I'll look like you. I'll sound like you. I'll smell like you. I'll experience like you so that you know how much I love you. And I would say to you that that principle is still the same today. It's still the same today. Paul says, I am free to serve anyone at any time in any context. Why? So that I might 
win some, is what he says. But here, here's how uh, we would explain it. That, that service gives me the opportunity for influence so that I might proclaim the gospel. You remember I started with Pastor Dave. And I said to you, if I'm completely honest with you, Dave has more relational collateral with me this week than he did last week. Why? Because he served me. I'll tell you this. If you go out of your way to serve somebody, I bet you they'll be more willing to listen to you. I bet you they'll be more willing to have a relationship with you. I bet that they will receive uh, uh, care for you that they might not have had before you were willing to serve them. I'll also tell you this. If you demand that people come to you on your terms and be running the ladder just like you are, you'll find yourself in a very lonely position. In a very lonely position. And so Paul says, here's the beautiful thing about this. In my freedom... I'm able to serve all people, and as I serve people, God gives me influence for the sake of the gospel. So let's stop right there. Uh, Some of you, if I said to you, I I would like you to find somebody to explain the gospel to, you would say, my heart just stopped beating, right? (laughs) Terrified to do it. But if I said to you, how about in this week as we study service, biblical service, you just find one person to serve. To bless. Just get an extra coffee. Just mow their lawn. (laughs) Mow their lawn. That's such a terrible... Just go out of your way to express service and care for them. Meet them on their terms. How many of you would not be able to do that? Everyone in here could do that. And Paul says that as I serve all people, uh, my influence grows. And then he says at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians Nine, he says, and, and as I do it, I share in their blessing. Okay, now here's, here's the amazing thing that I want you to understand. God gives us an example of service. He comes to us on our terms. He doesn't come as a successful CEO. He comes as a, he comes as a carpenter, right? He comes meek and lowly, the Bible says. He gives us this example of incarnation and service and love. He's seen, he's touched, He's heard. Uh, He becomes a dog, as it were. And then he puts in front of us this opportunity, this freedom to meet people on their terms, to meet people where they are. And he says, when you do that, your influence will grow and they'll be blessed. And you go, yeah, of course they will. But Paul says, I share in their blessing. Here's the grace of God. When you mimic Jesus, people receive a blessing and you get blessed. People receive a blessing, and you get blessed. I, I've spent a fair amount of time overseas, and I go on these mission trips, and I'm, I'm all geared up, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to be available, and it's going to be awesome, and aren't they lucky? And then I come back, and I go, wow. The more I serve, the more I got blessed. <coughs> what did Jackie say? What I found is that my reticence... To serve, once I started, God not only grew my heart for Him, but He grew my heart for people. And now I've got these relationships that I never would have had if I wasn't willing to serve. That's a, that's a blessing. That's a blessing. And so this week, as we uh, finish up this last statement, as we go into our week of fasting next week, after we gorge ourselves on Sunday, of course, um, here's what I'd like you to do. Uh, I'd like you to just spend some time Thinking about the people in your life that you could serve. It doesn't have to be grand. It doesn't have to be overt. It doesn't have to be profound. It could be as simple as you just buying an extra cup of coffee and putting it on their desk. Or putting it in their hand. Writing a couple names down. 
of people that you can serve this week. And as you serve, just pray that God will bless it, bless them, and trust that in doing, God will also bless you. But here's the thing you need to understand. We don't do service for what it provides us. We do service because it points people to our Savior. Because that's who He is. Because that's what He does. That's what He did in saving us. So as you do that simplest thing, you're pointing people to a Savior who can free them from whatever has them in bondage. And that, my friends, is a blessing. Isn't it? Stand with me. A couple ways that I want you to uh, think about this and respond to this. Um, We're going to take communion today. We do every single week. If you're a guest with us and you're a follower of Jesus, we'd invite you to just come up. It reminds us all communally of who Jesus was and His service to us on the cross. Uh, We're going to sing some more, be led by our band today, and we'd invite you to do that. And if you're in here today and you'd like prayer or need prayer, there'll be folks to my left and to your right. If you could do this for me, I got a reasonably good size announcement after the worship. So if you, <laughs> woohoo, it can be terrible. Y'all don't even know, right? Yeah. Uh, so I need you to stick around uh, to hear that, okay? But let me pray for us and, uh, and let's continue in our, our worship here. God, we thank you today that you are powerful, that you're all-knowing, that you're all-present, that you can and do accomplish all things for your glory. Uh, You are at the top of the food chain, and yet you put yourself at the bottom to reach someone as insignificant as me. God, I thank you that you came to me on my terms. You met me where I was, a sinner against you, and that in your service... You explained, you influenced, you showed me how much you loved me. You invited me into relationship. And on the cross, you saved me. God, in this room today, every single person has been and is being served by you. God, we thank you that our grand God is a great servant. I pray today, God, that you would, in your grace, give us the blessing of seeing the opportunity to join you in serving our fellow men and women, serving our community, serving one another, not because of what we get out of it, God, but because of the joy of joining a work that you're up to. God, would you empower us? Would you expand us? Would you show us the way? Would you give us a heart to serve? And in so doing, allow us to be a blessing to our city for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.